Welcome back to the Jesus Magnet Podcast. I'm your host, Joel, and today we have Scott. How are you doing, Scott? Oh, good, man. Good. Yeah, thank you for joining us on this episode of the Jesus Magnet Podcast. Very excited to hear sort of what God's done in your life. And, um, I mean, just talking to you before the episode started is you've had a, a wild journey of being in church, being an intern, being a pastor, I guess doing a whole lot of different roles in church and, and not just in church but outside of church and I guess discipling people in different ways. So I'm really interested to hear I guess the the golden nuggets of your life and how God's you've really seen God come through in different ways. So yeah, thank you for joining us on the Jesus Magnet Scott. Um we're in Auckland and in, in your amazing place in Auckland and it's a beautiful day. And um, yeah, Scott. So tell us your journey. We'll go. We'll wind to the start. Have you always been a Christian? Tell us your journey that brought you to the Christian faith. Yeah, that's a really interesting question to ask, Joel. Because um, when, when I think back at it, is I mean, I've been a, a Christian since 1989. I'm 49 years old now, and so that's um, yeah, that's, it's a, it's a while I've been a Christian. But I remember as a kid walking around the streets believing in God. And I've tried to figure out where it first started. I think, I think it was the Bible and schools teacher. This lady, she had this German accent. Onward Christian soldier. She'd sing that song every day. And I don't know whether she made the mark. I don't know, but I had this God awareness always as a kid. I didn't grow up in a Christian home at all, but I had this God awareness I love that. We've heard that a couple of times, actually. It, it's it's quite freaky how there's an awareness that there's a creator. There's an awareness of of just the 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 creation of God almost screams out a creator and that heart of being loved by a God, being intentional that you are here not by accident, sort of thing. And you've heard had that a lot, really. And you get you definitely get the people that have grown up in church and things like that. But having somebody that never experienced church at a young age but still had this thought that there's a God is a powerful thing, and we're seeing a trend in that, which is really interesting. You know, it sort of gives, I think Romans talks about a little bit about, you know, nobody is without excuse um, for creation, just screams his glory more or less. Probably butchered the verse, but it's along those lines. And... um yeah, oh, that's really cool. So um, you've you've always grown up in New Zealand, have you? Yeah. In fact, as you were talking, then I was, I was just thinking that because something where I'm at now with God is just believing in God is just something that's not enough for me. Intimacy with God and and relationship is everything. That's mm. that's what I want for my kids more than ever. Um, I sometimes see too many well-intentioned Christians who live by values or principles, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. But I think you miss meeting him and mm-hmm. who he is. But that came from, I was just thinking as you were talking back when I was a kid, because I didn't know anything. I remember I used to do this milk run, and I uh, did it for about four years. And um, I've always been a determined person. And um, But I was really small. I was that guy in cross-country who came last at school, either or second oh, to last. True. And um, so I did this milk run four times a week. I was kind of one of the slowest on the runs, but I was determined to be up with everybody else, and I was shorter than everyone. 
So I'd have, I'd have to pray every time. And no one taught me to pray. I used to always pray. And because I didn't understand what the words meant, sometimes mm-hmm. I would say, God, just forgive me for the sin I did today. But if that word doesn't cover it all, forgive me for all the bad things as well. I had no clue about the terminology. But there was always a, there was always a lot of personal talk with God. That's amazing. Yeah, so there was. I'm just. I just realised as you were just chatting. Then that was way back then. It, it wasn't just a belief in God. There was a. I reckon there was a a wanting to know who God is. Come on, yeah. you know. Yeah, that's. It good. was right back then when I just didn't even know the terminology or what yeah. I was doing. You know, I love what you said before about. Um, I don't just want to have a belief in God, or I don't believe that that's enough. I want to have an intimate relationship with God. And that's almost that um, that difference between a believer and a disciple and in a lot of sense of being a, a true disciple of Christ. What does that mean? That means to follow his commands. That means to to strive to be taught by Jesus. How do you get taught by him? Yeah. By hearing him. Yeah. Communing with him. By saying, Lord, shine a light on things that I can walk better to be able to walk closer and not not out of a religious sense of I need to do this to be good but I want to do this to be close and that changes the whole light of our walk with Christ is when we're doing things to get closer to God to be able to hear his voice more clearly to be able to walk in his presence where are you Lord I want to follow that yeah and um, yeah, I just loved that what you were just saying. Really, really powerful stuff. It really speaks to to us. You know, we want to be spirit led, especially in this podcast. And um, yeah, very, very cool. So, tell us at your earliest point that you started to have an encounter with either a true believer of Christ that was able to point you in the direction of, well, not just the blind faith that we have as a kid, which is good, but the the this is where you can learn more about God, going to church, have, here's a Bible, that sort of thing. When did that happen in your life? Um, yeah, that was um, going back quite a few years. So I started going along to this little community youth group. And the pe- I think back to those people who were running it, they were so faithful, so so cool, because none of us were saved. No, none of us. I mean, we used to kind of get drunk before we went to go to youth group and things like that. And um, just typical kid stuff. Um, but they were just such good people. Mm. And, um, and so we, always went, we were always part of that, um, that community, I guess. It was called the OK Club. They used to pick us up from primary school in this van and go on these different adventures and part of youth group. And then actually it was in fifth form. I um, was driving down the hill on the way to school and had a crash, got hit by a car my bike and broke my jaw, broke my arm. It was pretty bad, actually, at the wow. time. What was ironic was the kind of pastor slash youth leader, it was outside his house. Right. Um, and because um, and I always worked in my life, I mentioned before about milk runs. I mean, I've always worked since about 11 years old. Um, I was working weekends, so it was hard to go along to youth group. But when this period hit, I when I broke my jaw and broke my arm, I couldn't... Um, I couldn't work, so I started going on to youth group, mm. like all the time. Right, and true. then the um, God can use all things for good, <coughs> eh? I think so. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm not a believer that God sends stuff. No, you know, I don't believe in the the thing where God sent you cancer to teach you a lesson. Yeah, but yeah. I believe through 
difficult things or sometimes when things happen to us, mm. God can use those situations. Mm. It's just a, a personal belief I have. But um, anyway, I'll back back to the story. Yeah, so um, I um, I started going along to youth group, and we went along to this. I think it was a Lewis Palau event or something like that. So it was at Mount Smart Stadium, and um, we went along and and again it was another night we were bringing alcohol to youth group, and um, they had, I didn't listen to the message. I was bored out of my tree, and then right at the end he had a, he had an altar call, and I went up. And funny enough, that night one of my best friends. He went up as well. We each didn't know each other, had had gone up and accepted Jesus. And so it was a proper crusade. You go up the front and then someone grabs your name and grabs all your details. And that was about October. And um, I think that started to, because I'd always had a God awareness, started to make me really think. And um, But what came next was what I've always called my conversion. And um, even though what I've so just... So the altar call <laughs> wasn't the conversion... For me uh, personally, yeah. yeah, what I'm about to say next is what I would call my conversion moment. Okay. And that was, so I, our youth group leader, um, another youth group leader, got us along to a camp called Summer Harvest, and they used to run this big camp up north, and there was about 1,500 young people on this farm with, and um, and we went, we went along, it was a fun time, you know, and you just went along for the girls and that sort of stuff. And we were in this big wool shed, and it was fifteen hundred people. And this is interesting; they had a preacher on every night, and I really enjoyed it. But they had this guy called Bill Sabritsky, and I liked his bluntness. I used to always like blunt preachers, you know. And I thought, this guy, man, he just says it how it is. I quite liked it. And I was in a group of about eighteen people, mm. and this is this is crazy. All of them stood up to accept Jesus that day, except me. And it wasn't always defying it. I kind of thought I had it sorted out. And um, one of them said, you should stand up, Scott. And I stood up. What was crazy when I say that is to this day, from my knowledge, I'm the only one who's still going for Jesus. Oh, true. From that group of people. Wow. But I remember clearly Bill Sabritsky saying, you're going to feel a wind come into the room. And I felt this wind this presence of God for the first time in my life, this wind on my leg. And I'd never encountered the Holy Ghost or God. And that was that's, that encounter is what changed my life. I had more questions after that day than I'd ever had in my whole life. It almost rocked me. I went from believing this God in the world, in this space or this someone to talk to, to, wow, this thing's real. Mm. And and sadly, the well-intentioned people from the community church that I attended, lovely people, in those days, they weren't really that passionate. I'm trying to be honouring because, you know, but I'm also trying to tell the story, you know. Yeah, got to say how it was. Yeah, because yeah. um, beautiful people, and I'm so grateful for them in my life at that time. But when I'm trying to be a kid understanding the Holy Ghost, they just didn't have the answers but I, but it was real to me. And so I started attending church after that for the first time in my whole life. And then um and then I met this guy Tim Look. And um Shout out Tim. Yes. And um he was a character back in those days. I mean he still is a character from what I hear. But um and and he he moved along 
to this church than these days. In those days, he, um, he mem- I remember him telling me, Scott, I found this Pentecostal church. You need to come along. What does the word Pentecostal mean, eh? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know. <laughs> and um, he, he told me all the stories and, and crazy things, and I think what I'd encountered that time at Summer Harvest, I suddenly saw a world of a lot more of that, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah. So you were, cha- you were literally chasing the Spirit of God and where, where the effects of the Spirit of God are held. Yeah. Yeah. And then I still believe in that, what an encounter can do with a person. Well, you, you, when you're saying that stuff, it makes me think of Moses. And when at one point, he, you know, the Lord's saying, like, if you go to these places, you know, you'll win all the battles and you'll be fine, but my presence will not go with you. Yeah. And he goes, no, I will not go to those places without you. I will follow your presence. I love that. And that's, that's kind that. of what your focus was, like, wherever that is, that's where I want to go. Yeah. That's cool. And then, so um, it's Pastor Tim, isn't it? Pastor Tim, look, that's right. Yes. So he, um, what well, is now anyway? Probably when you knew him, he wasn't pastoring, was he? No. Yeah. So Tim took you to. I would probably a say, church? but I'd even go as far to say back then. I'm a real big believer in honouring those who have been critical in your life. Sorry, a key part in your life. Yes. And and look, if you know, we can sidestep here for a second. If there's ever a group of people that need to be right, it's Christians. And the sad thing is when we've moved from one form of right to another form of right, we either demonize that or we say that was wrong and I found the new right. And sometimes life is just changing flavors. Sometimes life is changing emphases. Sometimes we're all created really different because God said, you know, in the Bible it says that we're created in his image, and his image is so big, that's why out of that you're getting the gender of female and male, um, but you're also getting all the different personalities that come from God. And that's why following God isn't just a formula, because if it was a formula, we wouldn't need a big, thick Bible. we just have a one-page leaflet. Mm. And so um, I say that to say, yeah, Tim was, was huge in my life back then, um, as many others I can mention further on. Um, who probably discipled me and got me started. Would you say the discipling is a huge key part of your walk with Christ? Big time. Yeah? Yeah. To, uh, back in those days, I think the, probably the big thing I remember is Tim had got into my life about going to church in the morning and the evening. You know? And yep. I remember turning up a little bit late sometimes from surf trips and stuff like that. And um, And I just made... I made church important in my life. I know today church isn't always so important. You know, I made things that grew me important. I well, made it was more than that. It was that presence of God. You knew where it was, and you made that part important. Yep. It might have happened to be at the worship of whatever church that you're going to. Mm. I mean, for me, if I go for a walk and I got you know a, a bit of um, worship music going, it doesn't really matter where I go. But I kind of almost have to be walking somewhere. Yeah. And then the presence of God, uh, you know, I might walk around a corner and then all of a sudden it's there. Yeah. I could have been actually listening to worship music for about half an hour until that happens. Mm. And it's, I like the, I like the music, but it just was music. And then all of a sudden I go around the corner and it's, it's following where that pull is. Where's the pull of the presence of God and, and trying to find that. 
And then all of a sudden it's there, that wind that you explained, all of a sudden you feel that wind mm. and you know you're with somebody else. There's something, there's somebody else there physically with you and that change, that's when my knees crumble. It doesn't even matter where I am. My knees will crumble. And it's just that chasing that presence of God. Very cool. I I um, kind of really related when I was younger to David and the point that we often talk about David's heart, but there was a part component of David's life that he was overlooked. So um, in my life I was, I was adopted. Um, I found my birth parents at um, the age of 18 or 19. How old was that? Yeah, 18, 19. Very, very difficult time. And, and I've looked back on it even after watching those TV series about people who find, and you see these wonderful things where they're reunited, and what they don't tell you in that story is the unpacking and the processing of things, mm. you know. Um, like you mentioned about um, the internship before, my birth mother died towards the end of my internship in Australia. And um, I look back at that time and... I was just saying to someone the other day that no one really knew how to help me because I um, because they thought a birth mother was out of your life. So it was really easy for them to give you advice. Scott, that's not your real mother. You've got a wonderful adopted mother, which I have. Um, but these things can be challenges. For me, they were, they were challenges in my life to, to look back on. And, and so there was a part of me that was searching for identity, when I look back at that time, um, and because um, there's a trait in my life, I'm very determined. If I put my hands to something, I want to do well at it. There's nothing wrong with that. And so when you find this thing called um, Christian family, called church, you know, you want to embrace it. You want to you look. You want to give your life to it. Mm. I I realized I'm bouncing around a little bit here, but I realized when I was um, about twenty um, that I had a preaching gift on my life. I wasn't very good at it, um, but um, yeah, there's some funny stories about when it started. But um, so, so the reason I'm, I'm shaping that is as soon as sometimes there's a gifting on your life when you're young and you want to give your life to it, mm. what can go wrong there is you wrap your identity up in that. Mm. Yeah. And and you see it a lot. You see that sometimes... You associate your identity with your gifting. That's it. Yeah. And I'm and, Scott the preacher, not I'm Scott the son of God. Sort yeah. Sort of thing like that. And it's easy to summarize it in that. When we say it quite that clear, we can, um, we can definitely say, hey, that's incorrect. But it comes out in subtleties. So, so here's one, right? When I was younger, you know, you'd, uh, a great preacher would come through church and... And I don't know why this used to happen, but, um, you know, the person next to me would get this prophecy that was insane. The person behind me would get me prophecy that was insane. And I'd get missed out. And, um, in fact, we were talking about a, um, a friend that we both know, Dean. And um, Dean and I both went to Australia in oh, about 20 or 21, and we were preaching on the streets. And it was cool. We had some great stories with that. And we went round to this church because we met some people on the streets and went to this church, and um, phenomenal preacher, this guy from Singapore who'd planted this church, and he prophesied these incredible things over Dean, you know, and um, 
And then he said to me, you just love God. And, and, and I look back on that. I'm actually, actually now, because I look through a different lens, really honoured by the, those words. But at the time, you know, I wanted, I wanted something special. You know? I wanted your conquer, you know, yeah. all, the, all the demonic forces yeah. that come against you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and I couldn't understand. Mm. I mean, there was a time in my internship. We had this guy from San Diego. Um, I remember his haircut. And he, he prophesied over, honestly, it was a row of us young interns and young pastors at this kind of special meet-up. And um, Pastor Peter had taken us along. And there was a lineup, and he prophesied over every single one of them and got to the end. I was on the end and just touched him in the head and said, bless you. No lies. <laughs> and I was starting to think, man, what is it? Yeah. And um, do I not shower or what's going on? <laughs> yeah. Now, now another side of it is what was also emerging in my life back there is, um, hey, some of us in life have got quite difficult personalities, quite different yeah. personalities, you know. And and I think it's important to share this stuff because sometimes we can see leaders have got it together, mm-hmm. and the danger I believe in that is we see leaders showing a form of perfection. Mm. And we think that's that's a rival. And so sadly, unless you've got that personality makeup, you're just not going to make the cut. Mm. But I believe that vulnerability is a good thing. I really do. It is, um, it's not an absence of backbone. It's not an absence of strength. I mean, man, look, look at the last 10 or so years. We've seen many people who look like they had it together who have fallen, sadly, you know. Um, the, the reason I'm into weaving a lot of this into my story is I wish someone had helped me when I was younger with some of this stuff. Yeah, I, I want to ask if you could expand and, and maybe if anybody's listening, give advice um, on what do you do in situations when you got to, you're got you at the front and 10 people are at the front with you and they all get prophecies and you miss out. What do you do with that? Do you, you know, how do you take that information to God in a positive way of, did I miss out? Am I not gifted in any spiritual gifts? Nobody proclaimed anything special over my life. You know, I think that happens to a lot of people. I mean, to be fair, I could probably put my hand up in this as well. I've been the drummer of City Impact Church for something like 15 years in Queenstown. And I remember at one moment, um, the pastor said um, he honoured the uh, music director of our band and said, you know, you've got this amazing anointing on your life and, and God's just, you're leading these people through such an amazing thing. And this was a very new music director. And um, I remember thinking, and I prayed this just behind the drum kit, I said, Lord, why have I never been honoured? On this, I've been serving diligently for 15 years. I'm the loudest instrument on here. I'm <laughs> in the center of the stage with the biggest instrument. Why am I never honored? And I didn't even expect an answer. I just was moaning behind the drum kit, more or less, and silently. Um, and then it hit me about 20 minutes later, after a couple of songs, God spoke. And he said, you couldn't handle being on it. It would build your ego 
to a dangerous place. Mm. And it broke me that how God answered me so brutally, like you were saying, you know, like you respected the brutality of, of that one preacher in the barn. And um, I examined my heart and said, you know what? He's right. God's right. Of course he's right. But I wouldn't be able to handle it if 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 the the pastor had gone, Joel, you are the best drummer in the world and you've been serving so well. I just want to honor you. That would go straight to my head and I would be this prideful, arrogant person. And then the next time somebody comes to say, hey, Joel, can I give you a little bit of advice on how to be better on the worship team? My ego would be at a level where I wouldn't be able to receive it. So I know now that the fact that I was not pointed out on the drums for such a long time was a blessing that I hadn't realized. And yeah, I just prayed about it. But for you, you've gone through a similar thing where you've gone to the front and everybody around you gets honored and gets prophesied over and then you get bless you. Mm-hmm. What do you do in a moment like that? Well, <clears throat> now that you've had a few years to think about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think it's really hard to give someone advice other than just encouraging them through that. I think because the, the question you're touching on is huge. Mm. I think what you just shared just now is so important to talk about. Um, and the reason I say that is amongst many, many things, I believe COVID has been a time, COVID has been a time of a revealer. When we are, here's a good example. I've done a lot of mission work, right? I've been into the underground church twice. I've been into Africa, places like that. A lot of the times when you go into missionary work, when in the places I go to, sometimes I'm going on my own or with a friend. It's not a church that's connected to your church. Mm. So everything you rely on is gone. You have to be very careful that you don't come in with your Western mindset of places. Mm. You have to rely on God. And sometimes the most simplest things that God shows you are the things that don't make sense or whatever can be the biggest blessing, you know. Um, The reason I say that is during COVID, as everyone's been shaken, you know, and I heard heard a prophetic person say this a while ago, which was a really good point. It's a little bit when you're trying to wake your kids up they're in a deep sleep and you walk in and you just go like one of my kids is called Sachi, right so imagine saying to Sachi, Sachi, wake up she doesn't wake so I say it a bit louder she doesn't wake I say it a bit louder Sachi, wake up and she doesn't so I shake her a bit mm. I shake her a bit more and then finally I give her a good shake and then she wakes up I think that's what COVID has been for the church and we've tried to work out is this wrong is this wrong or this this wrong but and, and and I don't think there's one answer to everything, but what it has been is a revealer. Mm. So what we've seen is a lot of people going to their coping mechanisms. Um, you know, and um, and when I talked about being right, all the things you thought when that gets shaken. But God doesn't prune He doesn't prune us to punish us, He prunes whom He loves. Mm. I love what you touched on before about being led by God. So I remember hearing that when I was younger, as a young Christian, you know, those who are spiritual are led by God, and that's how the lens I saw that. And now how I've been looking at that lately, because I've been camping out in Romans quite a bit lately, 
just about being led by my father whom I love. So to answer your question is the lens I would be looking at it when I was younger. I was on the, I was on the journey at the start of the journey and faith is a journey. Mm. And I believe the journey isn't when I started off, it was all the things I could achieve. But now that journey is who Jesus is and the places I've found revelation in who Jesus is is some beautiful places. There's actually been some really, really tough places. Mm, that's like, good. Like, for example, I remember hearing a sermon years ago, and I just bring it up as a point. I disagree with this question, and that was, but you hear it all the time. Why do, good, why do bad things happen to good people? Because a lot of us have been listening to a gospel that betters our life, that's, that avoids trouble, because Jesus, by following Jesus and following all these principles and getting it sorted, we can avoid the trouble that the world may have. But actually, all of that's wrong. I was going to say. <laughs> because when God... Promises, promises you trouble. Yeah. Mm. But when we find Jesus in the furnace, mm. in the furnace, or through the situation... Mm. His ways are so beautiful. His, his scriptures that meant something to you 10 years ago that suddenly mean something completely different now. Mm. And I'm, trying to, I'm finding this hard to explain, but to answer your question, the, the boy back then that wanted to be something special, oh, I feel a bit choked up as I say this. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, I realize that. It's, it's, it's not about me being special. It's finding out who, how special he is. Yeah, come on. And that's not a, that's not a Christian answer. That's a beautiful treasure mm. that's, that's come out of times where I feel like I'm in an olive press and it's been crushed and the oil's come out. Mm. Things that I would have avoided in my life, I've now embraced because I've seen parts of Jesus. And what I've found out of that, Joel, it doesn't just come out of principles anymore. It shifts me. It, it flows out of my life. But, you know, I've still got that personality that's a little different. You know, I'm a creative. I'm up and down. Mm. You know, I'm a little impulsive at times. I'm a bit reactive at times. I've got to work through some of those. And yet God still works through that vessel. I've got to say this without before you get back to your next question. I said this to a friend a few years ago. I said I spent most of my 20s wanting to be an amazing preacher. It doesn't sound wrong, you know. You, you look at all the great preachers you want to be like. Mm. I traveled, I've preached all over the place, many, many different places. As I preached more and more, I used to say things to myself was, stop preaching to the front row. Stop preaching the message that will get you to return. Am I bold enough and brave enough to trust God to preach something he's told me that maybe only three people in this room might be interested in? Mm. I stopped going after offerings. I'm just throwing out a few words here. But even then, there was still more to learn. And it was when I got to the moment where, and this was how I say it, I, um, I realized I was not a great preacher. 
I was an average preacher. There's a point in this. But when I preach, and, and just tell you right now, I'm very passionate about preaching. You know, I've got a massive small heart, sorry, big heart for small towns. That's what I feel called to. Going to crazy countries that are where no one else would go, and funny enough, small towns in New Zealand. That's just burns in my heart. Big Come stages, on. they're not wrong. There's a lot of people who are more gifted than me, and they're doing a wonderful job, but I just it just doesn't burn in my heart. Mm. Going where no one else wants to go or can go or whatever is what burns in my heart. Grassroots of New Zealand. I just had to frame that to help you understand a little bit where I'm at now. But what my point I wanted to make was think of it like the day that I realised that I'm playing in this band, I'm never going to be as famous as I first wanted to be. Mm. But what shifted on that day is when I play my music, mm. I realise that I love playing music. Come on. And when I play that music, God does amazing things in people's lives. Mm. But I'm an average band. This was groundbreaking. I wish I'd worked this out when I was younger. Mm. And what I realized, Joel, was when I preach now or, you know, just use myself to minister to others. And the point that I'm trying to make here is when I've stopped trying to be special Mm. and I stop looking at how good I am or not good I am, it doesn't matter. Mm. Come on. It's when God works through me like he can through you who are listening today or anyone out there, that's the part that's special. Mm. That's the part that brings the awe and wonder Mm. to our lives. Yeah. And we've almost got to fight off that performance mentality Mm. or that thing you touched on before that that does add to our ego and to our pride because wanting to do well at things in life isn't wrong, but there's a tension in there because your identity starts becoming in your performance. Mm. And when it doesn't go so well, you get affected. Yep. And when the thing you've been working in your life that your identity is attached to, when that gets shaken, you'll start fighting for it. Mm. Yeah, so good. You know? And we're seeing that to a point in COVID. Yeah. There's... um. I've been reading the uh, Screw Tape Letters by C.S. Lewis. Yeah. And he mentioned something quite interesting in that. And um, at one at one point, there's uh, a he's talking about, <clears throat> and I, I won't, it's, it's a, you know, how it's written, eh, from a demon's perspective, but I'll, I'll translate it to, to what it's applying to today, is essentially you have brown eyes and you're musical. And focusing, the fact that you have brown eyes has nothing to do with how hard you tried to have brown eyes. Is that right? It has nothing to do about you. And the same thing, that that's a gift from God, the fact that you have a musical gift has nothing to do with you. That ability to be able to perceive music, to be able to understand that cognitively is a gift from God. And the moment you start to realize that, all of a sudden, if you do have a gift on preaching or whatever it is, that it's not even you, because everything good comes from God. And to realize that these gifts that I believe that I can, yes, you can get better at these gifts, but they are the, uh, 
the ability to even get better at those gifts is only because God built you that way. And that was a gift that God gave you. The fact that you have a desire for music is a gift from God. The fact that you have brown eyes and brown hair is in the same. You have no more bragging rights about the way that you look to the to the gifts and the abilities that you have. They're both from God. And the moment you get that, all of a sudden, these gifts and these talents that that you do have. You start to not to to not have them attached to your ego because they're not yours, yeah. and it changes. It it just changes, and then all of a sudden, you're treasuring these gifts that God gave you. In the same sense, if I were to give you, if if your father was to give you a very nice watch, you would treasure it as a gift. In the same sense that your heavenly Father has given you the gift of preaching or the gift of music that you treasure that with everything that you have and you polish that and you uh, make sure that it builds into something because of the value of what it is. You have that because God gave it to you. And the moment you start to realize that, it pulls the ego away because it's not yours to begin with. You don't have this development that I did this in my own strength, but knowing that it was through Christ and, and through God that he gave me the ability to develop this, to even consider developing it, and that I did it, and that I can use that to glorify him because everything is to have Christ at the center at the end of the day. And, um, yeah, I just think that was really, really cool. That's something that um, C.S. Lewis talks about is our gifts and talents, and, um, and it's yeah, just not bragging about them and to... Put them in the same box as you have in brown eyes. I just think that's amazing. It's really cool. <laughs> I like that. Um, so you did mention about gifting earlier on. Um, how do you know that God's given you a gift, or how do you find your gift in God? Or some advice for somebody listening, if you're to look at yourself and go, I don't know what I'm good at, I don't know what God's called me to do. What would be a practical way to unpack that for anybody listening yeah um i think two two things and that is um you find um you find your strengths will will come to the surface i've always believed there's strengths and weaknesses and generally a weakness goes with a strength you know if you're a visionary sometimes you're not so great at detail what makes you great at detail and admin makes you sometimes not so good as a big picture person you know just in simple 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 terms and so recognizing um, the way you're wired and your strength, you find it in situations. I know there's courses to do strength finders and things like that, but there's another side that people don't realize is that strengths and giftings can come out of a season. Hmm. It doesn't always come out of a book or a course. You'll come out of a season, you'll notice a thing just keeps coming to the surface in your life, you know? Um, and And... I don't really know how to completely answer that question because I think I'm more of a believer that life really is a journey and things are revealed in our life. And I don't believe God hides things from us. He hides things for us. And, um, and, and we talk about being led by God. So things get revealed in your journey. But sometimes we're looking for that whole package day one. Mm. Show me my, my arsenal. 
Mm. Show me my strengths day one, you know? I mean, that was me. Honestly, I wanted you just tell me right now. And I look back and now I wonder why God didn't give me the whole picture back then. Yeah. Because it's been through some of the seasons I've gone through. Mm. Like, like uh, there's so much redemptiveness in what God's done in my life out of seasons of difficulty. And and so, for instance, when I talk about places that I've been in life, I can go to crowds that won't like me. I can go to places that no one's supporting me mm. because of those years and years and years of being misunderstood, of not having much support. It was probably about 10 or so years that what I did ministry-wise was around the word despite. In other words, despite not having any money, I would still go despite having illnesses, severe illnesses surrounding me and family or whatever, I would still go. Despite the situation that would give me a reason to not go or not do, I would still do it. And I was often walking in a form of weakness and saw God move. Mm. Whereas quite often we'll say, if I win lotto, I'll, I'll be a giver. If I get all of these strengths together, I'll then use it for God. But my story is really different, Joel. It came a lot out of um, seeing God work despite a lack of resources, a lack of talent, a lack of what we would think needed to achieve the job. Now, what that did for me after a long season is realizing um, he's not limited Hmm. by what's in my hand, but I'm called to just distribute the, the loaves and the fishes He'll feed the 5,000 through me. Come on. That's so good. And what the part I wanted to put out of that was, I think, it's actually really good how you're talking to me because it's drawing the memories out here of what I tried to solve at the start of this journey when I encountered God and realized he was real, opposed to walking out my faith and what was revealed to me and given as understanding Mm. That was so much better, but also often God tarried not because he was cruel, not because he was disappointed or he was out for lunch, but more that after a season when he deposited that thought or understanding, it had a greater dimension to me. Hmm. So you talked about trust. Faith is my favorite subject, absolute f- favorite subject but I can't handle faith disgust without trust. Mm. And I almost get a bit reactive over the word believe. Even though Wigglesworth is one of my heroes, he says only believe. Mm. I've got a lot of, I'm in business as well, I've got a lot of very talented entrepreneurial clients who believe in greatness and achieve it every day of their life. Mm. But they don't have an intimate relationship with Father. Mm. Equally, I've seen a lot of, Christians walking in principles with great belief and great intention and seen some wonderful things. I'm not sure if the intimacy in their relationship is as much as it could be. But when we trust in God, we don't just get the outworking of the faith. We get something far better, Joel. We get him. And then when we go through that and we trust God in seasons where all the resource or even the stuff inside of us feels inadequate and we still choose to trust, 
the outworking blows us away. Yeah, come on. And we want to do more. That's so good. We want to see more, mm. you know? Yeah. I, I, I fully agree with that. Faith and trust go hand in hand, and they develop that intimacy with Christ. And the more you trust, the more you would you let go in that sense. Oh, I like that. You know, it makes yeah. sense. Yeah. You know, it's the same, same, I don't know. Have you ever seen a drowning swimmer getting saved by a lifeguard? No. Because some what they, what they do, the lifeguards, is they'd never go around to the front of them. Okay. They grab them from behind because they keep trying to swim and they do everything they possibly can and they end up pushing often the lifeguard into the water, drowning the lifeguard, trying to catch a breath. I've heard so the, that, yeah. Yeah, the lifeguard is to, well, there's a couple of ways to do it. Not that I'm a lifeguard, so this is not lifeguard advice for anybody listening, but um, they, you know, they pass the um, the circle uh, thing, floaty thing to them at a distance. They never get too close. But if they are driving out, like swimming out to, to catch them and they, they don't have any of those floaty things, they grab them from the back and they pull them kind of from from there so that they're not facing them. Otherwise, they'll end up trying to drown both people. And that's because people, like, if you, and, and for me, if I was about to drown and a lifeguard comes up to me, I've got to fully trust him and almost let go, and then I'll be saved. And he grabs me from behind to make sure, and I've got to fully trust that, that he's, he's got me and he'll lift me up, lift my head above the water and things like that. But he will do that in a, in a sense where I can't fight back. But that has to be done in trust. And they normally stop. They, they, they swim all the way out to you and then they stop and they say, look, I'm going to help you. And they, they kind of let you drown for a second. I'm going to help you. Do you trust me? And I feel like, feel like God sometimes does that, sort of lets you drown for a second, goes, I'm going to help you, but you've got to listen. You have to listen when I get close to you. You have to listen. And it's it's going okay, okay, and then they turn they turn you around, and then you can't even see them, and you're thinking, "Lord, I can't see you," and he's going, "But I just told you to trust me, just trust me," and um, then they lift your head above the water, but um, yeah, I think that's really cool. One of the things that comes to mind when you're talking about the gifts earlier is a story that my dad told me. He plays the guitar in the band, and um. He he told me a story once when he was playing the guitar and he didn't want to go to church and he didn't feel like the Holy Spirit was moving or anything like that. And he gets to church and he just plays the guitar sort of reluctantly and then afterwards these people come up to him and go, man, the anointing was strong today. That was amazing. Thank you so much for showing up and just playing with everything. And God, and, and you know, Dad's thinking, God, I didn't even focus on you at all. And it's that gifting that God gave him that's outside of, like, it has nothing to do with emotion as well. And that's when Dad realized, he's like, I'm going to do this because God's asked me to do this, not because I feel emotionally happy when I'm doing it all the time and it's removing that emotion from it and doing it because God's told you to do it, not because God gives you the happy feeling when you do it. And um, that really helped me when for my drumming as well to realize that the gifting is, is given to me because of my calling 
of my obedience to do it, regardless of my passion. It's to do with my purpose. And that's when it changes as well. Like if you are striving and it becomes a purpose, uh, sorry, becomes a um, profession over purpose, then it really does go downhill if you start feeling it like it's a profession. But the moment you know that it's purpose, you're doing it out of obedience for Christ, not because of, I don't know, an expectation from other people or anything like that. What is the most important focus for a Christian apart from Christ? I think what we feed ourselves on, Mm. what we choose to surround ourselves with. And the reason I say that is, um, you know, like like I mentioned before, I'm a big believer in you'll gravitate to your coping mechanisms when life gets tough. In In other words, they say it during a financial recession, when the tide goes out, you find out he's been swimming with no togs on. That's what the financial economist will say. <laughs> but it's the same thing in the Christian <laughs> church. I've never heard that before. That's awesome. If you really want to know it's what's in your faith and what foundation you're built on, yeah, wait till the season where it, the fire comes. Mm. And what you fight for and what you care about and what you'll dig into is actually what you've been building into your life for the years previously. Mm. You know, they always talked in the Old Testament about having wells and handing them down to generations. And our well in our life is what we draw upon. You know, so um, regardless on the season, yeah, yeah. And so, I've, I've, without going through detail, I've, fa- I've faced numerous situations of massive financial testing, huge stuff where things, people will be affected. Lots of consequences. I've had huge health situations. Um, I had um, uh, a little girl, my, my daughter, die in our arms on the day she was born. I've had lots and lots of situations that over my life that we could talk for a whole day on. And what I've often thought about is in those moments when you almost can't go on and there's, the barrel feels really empty, you're drawing from a well. And that day you realize what you've been putting in that well. Mm. And the thing is, is, is I'm in a season at the moment where it's of all, I'm just so passionate about Jesus. And I know that sounds like a cliche, but I just finding myself just going into scripture again, just wanting more and more and more and more of him. And, um, and, it's funny, I've been trying to explain it to people. Actually, you, you, you've asked me at the start of this podcast to make sure I'm giving people some some keys. One thing that's been radical in my recent season that I'd love to tell the, the listeners out there is I'm not one of those guys who writes stuff down. I'm just not that person. But I've been journaling lately. Someone told me to do it. I was only going to do it for two months. I'm on my fourth month. It has changed my life. Oh. Because the reason why is we look for God to speak through big answers, but quite often God speaks through whispers. And when you start recording it, it's like having the kitchen table with all these jigsaw pieces. Mm. And you're looking for big answers to solve problems. But when you go through your journal, you go, there was a whisper there. I thought it meant this, but I noticed a few days later, they whispered here, and then a week later this happened. Mm. 
oh wow, now looking through a different lens, this picture makes sense. And what's amazing, Joel, again, and this is what I love about faith and intimacy with Christ, sometimes when you've been walking with God and so um, uh, passionate about listening to him and communing with him, the answer itself and how God chooses to do that, because God doesn't always redeem a situation the same way as he did last time, Mm. but it blows you away so much that a difficult situation can actually be one of the most exciting times in your life mm. because Father God spoke to you in this way and this piece here and this piece here and unraveled this little treasure map. And the answer to that at the end, this treasure, is God tells me to do this and this and this. Mm. That's why it's beautiful to be led by God. Well, I kept thinking when I was younger being led by God was, God, what do I do now? Mm. God, oh, that's right, God told me. Because it's a, it's a line we all use as Christians. God told me, no one can argue with you, you know? Mm. Um, but the thing that I, I hope has been a theme in this conversation today is the seasons and the journeys in God and how he interweaves things. Mm. But when we're seekers of him, because we want intimacy, we don't just want to believe in him, we want to know him. Yeah. So that, that's brought me to a, a position in the last, last kind of oh, maybe nine to ten months where I've gone through quite a difficult time and I said to God, I want you more than I want the relief. Mm. Do you know, Joel, I mention that to a lot of my friends and you could, you could split the room between those who just went, oh, that's really cool, Scott. To others who went, that's cool. Mm. I love that. Because the ones who loved it, they like that as well. And it was singing from the same hymn mm. book. They were, they were lovers of Christ. So when they heard someone else through going through the valleys and the difficult times saying, you want Jesus more than you want mm. a door out of the situation, come on. Mm. Brother, share with me what you're learning through the season. I love that. Um, it actually reminds me of a friend called, uh, Jared Van Berkel, Van Berkel. He's, um, he's the director of Fantail Studios and he said, uh, something kind of similar and it's really stuck with us. Our, this whole trip around New Zealand's really stuck with us. And he said, um, that God spoke to him about doing these TV shows, um, for Jesus and, and he goes, Lord, you know, if I just push into you and, and, and listen to your voice and, and follow your commands, I know I'll succeed. And then God gets back to him and says, you know what, Jared? I know you'll be willing to do anything for me and succeed for me. Are you willing to fail for me? Yeah, wow. And he goes, so if I do this whole studio, get these cameras in, spend all this money do all this investment of time and fail, yeah, I'm still prepared to do it if you tell me to. And that took it to a whole new level. Oh, wow. Because we think the key to obedience, sorry, obedience is the key to success. But no, obedience is the key to Jesus. Obedience is the success, not the success that follows the obedience always. That's the difference. If I, if, if God... I mean, you might have had this. 
Has God ever asked you to go and pray for someone and uh, and say, hey, go pray for that person for healing, and they're not healed? You heard that? Yep. Same. The obedience was the success of the obedience, not the necessarily healing that followed afterwards. Are you ready to go out and do something for God even when it doesn't work? Is that obedience? Because how are you supposed to go to the cross knowing that you're going to die? That's, that looks like failure. But the Bible teaches us, pick up your cross and follow me. You know, Be ready to go right to the very end, and it's going to look like you failed. Just like Jesus, he looked like... The devil thought he had won, you know, and everybody thought that Jesus had failed right up until he rose, but he was obedient. Yes, he was God and he sort of knew what he was doing, but in our sense, we're not God, but we are to follow that. Are we ready to fail for you? Because that's that. That's actually success is the obedience to be ready to fail. If God asked you to fail, would you fail? It's very easy to 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 follow God if He promises you success. If He promises you failure, can you still follow? I don't know. So that really spoke to us, and it's like, powerful. Are we ready to go to the ends of the earth and still sink our boat? If God asked us to do that, would we do that? Yes. I challenge anyone listening to be. Because, and and the whole reason I say that is because we live in a fallen world where failure happens. Yeah. It doesn't change God. If you if you apply success only to when God's there, then I don't know. There's a, there's a lot in the Bible where it looks like there's failure, but God still comes in. And it, and the the whole idea is really obedience and trust. Like you said, the trust and the intimacy. It's a, I'll use another scripture to back up what I'm saying. Good to use scripture is, um, I think it's in Matthew 27, where people say, Lord, Lord. Many will come to me and say, Lord, Lord, I did all these miracles and cast out demons and miraculous things in your name. And he will say, depart from me, for I never knew you. That's right. So they, in the sense of ministry terms, were success. But they they missed that intimacy that they had with Christ, so they were seeing the effects and going, "Okay, it must be success. I must know Christ." But it's, do you know Christ even when you might fail? And that's I think for for me anyway, that was huge what Jared said. And I'm you know, I would like to say that I'm ready to fail. I'd be ready to to give up everything for him, rather than gain everything for him. I'd be happy with that. That's true surrender right there. So when I talked about faith before, mm. in the Bible it says in Hebrews eleven six, it's impossible to please God without faith, mm. which is a pretty full-on statement. Mm. So what is faith? So whenever, if you mention faith today, people go, oh, that's when you believe God and you see a great outcome. Mm. Or we're in church and we've heard over the years, he's a man of faith, she's a man of faith. Mm. It's someone who's achieved much. But that's actually not what faith is. Faith is a posture. Mm. It's a place. Jesus never had a theology on unanswered prayer. He didn't need it. Mm. Yet, let's just be really honest, not everyone that we, most faith preachers, pray for get healed. Mm -hmm. Yet we're walking into an environment where we're believing for God to be healed. Only Jesus, 
Jesus is the ultimate model. Mm. Not this preacher, not this pastor, Jesus. Because mm. he saw 100%. Yeah. And Jesus, by the way, because we like to discount this, didn't come to the earth as God. He came to earth as man, mm. as a model to us. Otherwise, if he came to earth as God, it's not a model for us to follow. Yeah. So when we walk in that place of faith, we hold attention. That's why if I change the subject for a second, we jump up at church and had a whole lot of leaders in the room. We preached a really good message on just dealing with disappointment. Everyone's going to love it. Because what's going on is people are trying to cope with the tension of things not working out the way they want, the disappointments. And there's levels of it, Joel. Because you just said a very powerful, lots of powerful things in what you just shared then. But this answers the question that you asked me about the little boy. Mm. How did he handle not being dealing with the prophetic words that made him special? How do we handle some of these things? Because as we go through difficulty, as we face disappointment, as we face all of those enemies, fear, anxiety, and everything, does faith still exist in our life? Or is it a posture we carry? So we carry the word of God. Or we're like Peter on the water. The point of that story wasn't Peter um, walking on water. It was Peter having his eyes on Jesus Mm. despite the storm around him. That peace that Jesus gave the disciples, it isn't a kumbaya peace. It isn't a, Mm. it's a militant peace. It's an anchored peace. It's an immovable peace in chaos and storm. These are the wonderful things that God has given us, yet we see it in our life in degrees. And the reason why is because the well in our life isn't always got pure water. Because mm. things we've put in there, things we've fed ourselves on, so when we face storms, when we face difficulty, when we face trials, the posture of faith brings us close to Father. Mm. But when that's not the important thing in our life, faith becomes the, oh, I'll turn the switch on. Mm. I've got trouble. Faith is the thing I do. Mum's got cancer. I've got no other way to turn. Let's believe God. Now, forgive me, that's not wrong. I'm not saying that's wrong. But faith isn't a coping mechanism. Otherwise, you have faith in faith. Mm. Yeah, that's Not good. faith in Jesus. As I mentioned before, Jesus is everything. He's the special. Mm. He's the special. So what this starts to make more sense when you go through a lot of these journeys is it's easy at one level to say don't perform to please God. Don't wrap your identity up in your ministry or what you do. It's easy at a point to say those things, and our head kind of understands it. But it isn't in our spirit or our DNA until we've walked it out through seasons Mm. and you start to realize it comes back to the same thing again and again and again as intimacy with Jesus, Mm. the pursuit of Jesus, the seeking of Jesus. It's everything. And there's so much to gain in it. It's such a... I can't even put it to words, but it's such a beautiful, life-fulfilling quest Mm. to go after Jesus. Come on. Mm. And like I said, he doesn't hide things from us. 
in those seasons, he hides, you realize he's hidden things for you yeah. to find, mm. to have revealed to you. Yeah, in the given time. Mm. Yeah, no, that's really, really good. Um, oh, there's so much. I've got so many questions, but I don't want to take up a huge amount more time. But here's a good one. How do you hear God's voice? And is there some practical steps for anybody that might struggle to hear God's voice that you could give them? I'm really glad you asked this question because my answer to that is probably a little different to others. It's actually funny enough, we go back to those days I mentioned about internship and the, the formative years of my faith. I was surrounded by a whole lot of wonderful friends who would go to church and say, God, what are you going to do today? And they'd hear from God all the time. And I am, um, I'm being honest, I used to think I didn't hear from God. I really struggled with it. And um, it really bugged me. I never talked about it. I just hid it and uh, believed in God. I loved God. I was so hungry for God. But I felt God never spoke to me because I think I, well, I don't know if I have an answer for it, but I, I wonder if back then I, um, I expected it a certain way. Mm. I've found that God talks to me through many different ways. I've um, I've had a moment where it was, borderline audible and it was through a a very very difficult time and God told me to do something that was just crazy Um, a lot of the times it's just this soft soft whisper voice I'm going God is that you and other times it's almost like a a knowing that's as loud like it's shouting my ear but it's not a voice Mm. there's times where I'm in the scripture and something just stands out but funny enough, it's also sometimes when you're around people, and you, I used to often talk about this, you're in the, the line for lunch at a youth camp and you're having a random chat with someone and talking about nothing, and something they say just drops in your spirit and it's mm. life-changing. And, um, and God uses those moments too. Yep. And, um, and then there's a whole bunch of other things. You know, I've got a friend of mine. He is, oh, he's just crazy. He'll go down the street and there'll be a signpost and then a number plate. And the number plate will be a number and a scripture that lines up. And God talks to him like that. It's so funny. I said, you've got to write a book. Um, <laughs> oh, that's cool. You should get him on the podcast. His stories are crazy. <laughs> but, but the beautiful thing, God does speak to us, but it's in so many different ways, mm. you know. And I think what it is, I think what it is, is to help people out here, don't try and find a formula Again, my answer is the same thing all the time. Become a seeker and a follower of Jesus, and those ways will be revealed, and you'll look back and you go, aha. Uh-huh. But the prayer journal, write down things, even if it's a whisper, even if it's crazy. No one else is going to read your journal. Mm. I just use my little notes and iPhone, and each day I just sort of write down bullet points that's always with me. And each day, and then you go back over and you go, whoa, mm. you know? I love that. Yeah. Wow. And so, um, yeah, it's cool. That's awesome. Um, do you have anybody in your life that you would really like to honor for being somebody that might have discipled you or uh, even just had the courage to pray with you or anything like that? Anybody that stands out in your Christian walk um, that's just helped you? Yeah, I'm a real big believer in that stuff. I'm actually so glad you asked that question. Like early before, I mentioned about Tim Look, 
mm. being very important in my in my early years, and I've always been a, just so grateful for that. Um, it was a season where Pastor Peter was a massive influence in my life, and I actually consider him a, a father of my faith. Um, and there was a season in my life with Pastor Don McDonnell. I consider him a father of my faith and, and very, very grateful for the input mm. from those wonderful, wonderful men of God. Um, Don sort of pulled the crazy side out of my life. I didn't realize I had such a crazy faith side, and just being around Don pulled that side out. Um, but I believe um, <clears throat> it isn't always people of title that can sometimes have the biggest impacts in your life. You know, it's um, there's a, a wonderful friend I had where quite a few years ago I um, had a very difficult health season, very difficult, and um, and I remember feeling to ring this person, thinking it was going to be a business thing, and shared with this situation with this person who was highly busy. This guy rang me every single day for five months. Seriously? Wow. Every day. Did he just just to chat to you? Was he praying with you? Bit of both. Yep. Yep. Wow. Just stood with me through a season. That's amazing. Yeah. And... um. And the thing is, he didn't just ring me up. He just just chatted. It was just like, just came alongside. Yeah. And I, I was borderline get get through in that season. Mm. It was pretty tough. Wow. You know, there's a couple of times going to work and my my mini just leaning up against the window, just trying to get it together health wise. Wow. And I had so much pressure in that season, and but yeah, you just. It would take a while, but 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 I'd also like to encourage people out there. And I touched on this before. We always move. We move in different seasons, and we think that people in a previous season are no are no longer relevant, but they are. I'm a believer in the kingdom of God. I believe that every church is a part of the kingdom. I don't believe there's one church. I don't believe there's one ministry. I don't believe there's one gifting. And so the, the beautiful people that are part of the body of Christ, there's numerous people that God will use in your life. Mm. But just because somebody hasn't been in your world for, say, 10 or 15 years, it, it doesn't mean they're not worthy of honor. Mm. That's so good. And, and I'm a real, a real believer in that. And, um, and, here's, and here's something to add to that, and that is those people, I mean, there's other people I could mention but I probably wasn't the easiest person to disciple either. I mean, when I was younger, I was strong-minded. Um, I didn't know what entrepreneurs were back then. No one knew what entrepreneurs were back then or visionaries. Hmm. I think the amount of times I got told, problem with you, Scott, you can't serve this or you can't fit into that. And, and I'm, because I had a big heart, I cared, man, I cared. And I used to really struggle with those sort of things. And I look back and think, man, now I've been a father of four kids. I understand how hard it is mentoring strong-minded people, but that's what it is when you're mentoring leaders. Mm. It's not easy mentoring young leaders because they're still finding their way. Yeah. And so now where I'm at, I even think of some bosses I had that I'm so grateful for for their input. It must have been hard for them, um, you know, and um, – but to really encourage people, don't be scared of letting people in your life. Hmm. And when I talked before about being like David and not always being understood, 
sometimes people are going to be your biggest value, but they may, may not always get you. Mm. I grew up in a family that I wasn't my blood family. They didn't understand me most of my life. Wow. I didn't have a lot of support in my life when I was younger looking back. Not, not many people really understood me. I didn't realize how much that affected me when I was younger. The beautiful thing now, as I said to you, I can do all sorts of crazy things. I don't need a fanfare. I don't need a crowd to support me. I don't need to be loved. Uh, I'm saying that in a in a wrong and in, in a correct way. That um, you're content with Christ. That's it. Yeah. That's that's what I was trying to say. Um, cause, and 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 so to really encourage people out there is is really allow people to disciple you to come into your life. And um, and and don't dishonor people. If you come out of a season and they didn't get you or it didn't work out well, instead choose to really celebrate the wonderful things that they left in your life. Yeah, come on. You know, um, in other words, you know, don't go looking for things wrong with your pastor. Love them all the same because mm. that's what they did to you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they loved you despite your issues. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, so, so, so give that back to them, you know? It's so good. Yeah. All right. So do you have some advice for someone listening that has gone through similar trials that you've gone through, such as um, struggle with, I guess, feeling special or called in different seasons and um, how to cope with that and, and into Jesus, of course, but maybe into different people around their lives. What would you suggest for people like that? I've got a few answers to that. I got rung yesterday for a reference for a young man who worked for me. Extraordinary guy. He may even be listening to this podcast. Um, and, and he'll say, because he's mentioned to me a few times, he's just one of those guys who's got a, he's got a few giftings that are exceptional and a bunch of weaknesses, like a lot of us. And... Um, and he's trying to find a job that highlights those strengths. So it's, not a, it's not all easy to find. But mm. I said to the, um, the recruiter, I said, if you find the right environment for this guy, they're never going to find someone like him. But stop trying to change his weaknesses. Mm. Just find the environment that celebrates him. Now, sometimes when we say that, when, when it's said like that, we're hurt off, oh, so someone shouldn't deal with their weaknesses, and that's... Some of the, there's a balance of lots of things in life and the other one is I think we should always be working on our weaknesses but you'll never there's some weaknesses you'll never get rid of you might temper you might um, learn to deal or operate with those things but they'll never go mm. you know um, like, like for instance the thing that just being really vulnerable here I've had to work on is being um, reactive oh, to this day 49 years old I'm still dealing with it but you put me in a strategic meeting with a high-end client. My brain's so fast. I'll read everyone in the room. I'll read strategies, design concepts and things like that. And boom, bang, it just comes out of my mouth really, really fast. So that's where my strength is. But my weakness can be in a hostile situation when buttons are pushed. Mm. I can react. I have prayed millions of times, Joel, for that to be taken away. I've had it pointed out by lots of good friends. <laughs> They're not wrong. I'm listening, agreeing. But I've had to walk with that. Yeah. You know, and I choose not, to, I don't defend that, mm. but I choose to go, no, I'm right to the end, I'm going to believe that that's going to be eradicated. But I also need to accept where I am today. Mm. I, will, I will always walk and say I'm not good enough. All right. 
And and th- so those are things about dealing with special is actually accepting some of your weaknesses and learning who you are and not saying, when I get perfect, I've arrived. Puts you at a place of constant humility, doesn't it? I agree. When, yeah. you, when you're not saying, I've got it. I mean, depending, and it creates a dependency on Christ as well. Saying, mm. Lord, I do need you. And, and here's a whole massive list why. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and yes, and then, and then going back to what I was saying about the gifts and your strengths would be, you know, you're saying you're musical and to realize that those gifts and strengths are there also because of Christ. So you're not only just praying and saying, you know, please be with me in my weaknesses, but also thank you for my strengths. So you're dependent and thankful for both strengths and weaknesses with Christ. Um, Can I share one other thing? And this is something I haven't said publicly, but obviously um, there's been a lot of talk over the last couple of years about with with different um, high-profile ministries with um, internships. Yes. Whether they're wrong or whether used as um, free labor and all these sorts of things and and the hurt that comes out of it and all those sorts of things. And um, I think, you know, I'm okay with stories having there's no complete right answer, but there's one... small part I would like to touch on. Most people, we talk about me when I was younger, who join internships, who go to Bible college, who go and work at a church or work at a Christian organization, have a few factors. Love Jesus, attracted by the people that inspire them, Mm. attracted by the environment, and give themselves to it. Mm. We see the lights. Sometimes when we walk into these things, Joel, our motives are good, and sometimes it's a mixed bag. Mm. But God's so merciful. He often walks, works with us despite our intentions, despite our agendas. He still uses the situation because as a great friend always says to me, he never wastes an opportunity. He prunes whom he loves. He doesn't prune us as a punishment. Mm. What happens in those difficult times is if we're on a journey of finding Jesus, the pruning or the difficult time or the the hurt or whatever they are, and I'm not condoning these things or supporting or unsupporting, I'm going regardless Mm. of them, they can be used for the glory of God because how we handle situations, we're not called to go to an island or live out in a farm in the outbacks with a whole lot of Christian friends, with a Christian church, with a Christian cafe, with a Christian gym, with a Christian blah, 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 and a Christian uniform. We're not Gloraval. We're actually in a world with lots of difficulties Mm. and lots of fallen situations. And how we carry the word of God, how we carry Jesus, and how we carry faith, and how we deal with situations, and on top of that, Joel how we also deal with our strengths and weaknesses mm. mixed up in that as well. And I've touched on today some of my struggles, mm. how I can be a bit reactive. I can say things that I've got to go and restore. Mm. And I can say things I've got to go and clean the mess up. Mm. And how we work through that. God can still work with those situations. And it didn't mean that whole situation was wrong in hindsight. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. We need to understand that all roads lead to Jesus. And the key to everything is not avoiding trouble or trying to look back on who was wrong or who blamed that, 
but all things can be used in our life, what feels good at the time, and even what would seem to be bad. Mm. Sort of goes along the lines of, um, you know, life is the best teacher. Uh, you know, it teaches you the hard stuff and it's, it's brutal, and, and but to, to realise, you know, God's in that and um, to, to keep that dependency on him and knowing that, all right, I don't know why this went wrong or I don't know why I reacted that way or I'm not perfect, like realizing you're not perfect, but then being open and going, all right, well, I'm not perfect. Lord, shape me, mold me. I'm I'm opening that door to being able to, to learn and that's placing myself in a constant state of humility knowing that you're not perfect. And... um. Yeah, I think that was really, really spot on advice, Scott. Really, really good. Can I share a little story? Just a quick one? Yeah. And that is, so I had a a scenario many years ago, a particular meeting. I've done lots and lots of meetings. And, um, but this one particular meeting had a real personal impact on me. And it was one of these situations today. I just trying to think of a tangible story to almost finish with. And it was a, a story of when I talk about things that are, you're drawing from a well, things when Jesus is your pursuit. When you're in the fire, what really matters gets tested. Mm. And so I got invited to speak at a at a church that didn't know me. Um, the pastor had had me speak quite a few years ago, and um, so I wouldn't say he was hugely close to me either. In fact, um, I've got no hair these days, and the poster they used showed me back in the day when I had spiky blonde hair. And um, and so they 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 invited invited me along for a healing meeting, and. Um, what they didn't know is I'd gone through a situation at work where we'd had five months of really bad sales. So I'd watched, this is quite a few years ago, I'd watched just about a complete surplus disappear. So the pressure I was under is, was insane. And I shouldn't be going away this weekend, but I did. Mm. Then I had a situation on that last day, it was a Friday, and a big project, and some of the projects I deal with are really substantial, um, I was basically told for a project that had a very, very serious deadline in two weeks was actually seven weeks away. And I knew I'd be facing a board, had to talk to some big executives, and it was going to be huge. So I had all of this going on, and I was cleaning some messes up with some things and some staff moving on. It was just a huge array of very challenging situations. I never sort of turn up late to meetings, <laughs> not like this. And so I jumped in my car, jumped and then got stuck behind, um, over the course of the journey, two or three um, Fonterra milk trucks. So they're ringing me up and they're going, hey, Scott, you coming? Mm. We're about to start worship. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm going to be there, I'm going to be there. Hey, Scott, um, they rang up a little bit later on. We're, uh, we've finished worship. Are, are you coming? Um, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm coming. And um, hey, Scott, um, we're the people sitting on the chairs waiting. You are coming, eh? They got that bad. And I remember being in the car and my son with me going, man, the day I've had, the season I've had, now I'm going to a healing meeting. Um, whoa, this is going to be really tough. <laughs> and um, so I turned up and I'm um, trying to tell you, tell you the short version. And I remember the, the guy in the door, God told me to, to, to pray over that guy in the door and I, I walk in. And generally in meetings I quite like him. Um, sort of picking people out and messing things up. I don't like necessarily doing things always conventionally, but this one, we, we 
we did it very conventional, pulled everyone to the front and just prayed for them in a line, you know? Mm. And um, I, I, um, I prayed for the first person. And um, I like to do the um, how much, where your pain level is. Is, is it 5 out of 10, 8 out of 10? I think it's 8.5 out of 10. Prayed for him, nothing happened. He had severe back pain. And um, nothing happened. Prayed for him again, nothing happened. I think I prayed for him three times, nothing happened. Then prayed for the next person. They had something, um, I'll just speed through this, but uh, nothing happened. Prayed for the person after that, nothing happened. And then this lady comes up, an older lady, and she had um, a particular issue. And um, it was something that I had prayed for for my wife for 18 months and not seen my wife healed. So let's just stop for a minute, right? I've come to a meeting. I'm not a famous preacher. They don't know me from TV. I'm a small towns preacher. goes around small towns, so no one really knows who I am. I turn up. I don't even look like the guy in the poster. That guy's got blonde spiky hair with a cool top on. I've got no hair, and I'm bald. And I'm mega late, and now in a healing meeting, they've all waited for ages. The first four people that we've prayed for have not got healed. And the next person I'm about to pray for has got an issue that my wife had for 18 months and I couldn't see a breakthrough. Mm. So the reason I bring this up, I don't normally remember meetings, but I remember that they would never know this in the crowd, but I remember being on stage going to the Lord. I'll go to the end. I, I, my ego, my pride, it doesn't matter. It's all for you. I know that you can heal people, but I'm not performing today. I'm trusting in you. And it was really weird. I had no idea what was about to happen next, but I surrendered and let go and trusted God with everything. But it wasn't a surrender as in a weakness thing. It was a confident, I give you this, Lord, in this moment. And this precious thing is called my pride. Because where that came from, and the, the part why I want to tell you the story, that came out of the seasons that I was telling you about, that when I was younger, I wanted to be special. Mm. Then I realized by being a vessel and not preaching to the front row, not preaching to the message that they'll sell heaps of tapes, mm. but being a person that wanted to see Jesus move yeah. was more important than anything else. Whether I got invited back or not, whether I got celebrated or not, yeah. it was Jesus. What I didn't realize what would happen next, Joel, was I prayed for this person and um, God instantly healed them. Got a word for them, said a situation that was very accurate about their granddaughter who happened to be in the room who just arrived the day before. They came up and um, prayed and then boom, Spirit of God moved over the whole place, went back to that first guy, prayed for him, presence of God all over him, had this crazy word for him and said, hey, how's your back? And he goes, it's healed. And But the interesting thing out of that story was that place of surrender. But you don't just turn on. You can hear it in a room, surrender or obey God Mm. or faith. You can turn those three things on, but they can have different meanings. Yeah. They can, I can surrender because I'm told that's what I should do. Mm. So there's always a reluctance. You haven't really given it freely. Mm. You can turn on faith, but it's faith in faith. It's a coping mechanism because it's a switch to turn on because doctors can't fix Mm. the situation. Faith is that thing that I do, and I, that's right. All those leaders at the front of the church have got a perfect life and a bravado. I be positive. I have unwavering faith. Mm. 
or the third one is I obey. That's right, I just obey because I just follow the rules. Mm. So all of those things um, are defined by what I just said. But when you see it through a lens of pursuing who Jesus is, all of those words have the same meaning but different. Mm. I obey because I remember what it did last time. And like you said today, whether it leads to success or not, the posture of obedience or the posture of surrender or the posture of faith, that place mm. is pleasing to God. Yeah. Whether that person gets healed or not, because that's God's job. Yeah. When I choose to get out of the boat and walk on the water and keep my eyes on mm. Jesus, that's why he says in Hebrews, it's impossible to please God without faith. Yeah. But when I'm a pursuer of Jesus, I don't know how to explain this, Joel, but at 49, I wish I could tell the 19-year-old me that we've talked about today. I feel choked up again a second time. It's just about Jesus. Yeah. It really is. And it's more than when the preacher says on stage, just preach Jesus. It's really about following Jesus. Mm. And you'll understand what those words mean if you trust the journey. Mm. If you trust the season. Yeah. And you walk it out. You will understand why those words mean so much. Mm. Yeah. They're not just the right answer. Yeah. They're everything. Yeah, come on. Oh, that's such a good story. That's so powerful. I love that, that posture of faith. And um, it, it, it reminds me of a, a short moment in Papua New Guinea when we were praying for people for healing. And a friend of mine that we were with, another missionary, he said, I actually need to repent. I, And we said, oh, what for? And he said, well, I'm praying... I'm praying for this person to be healed, which is a good thing, because I want to see them healed for a cool story, and I know God can do it. I'm not praying for them to be healed, for them to be healed. And that really hit me, and I never realized how much I probably, in the same light, were praying for people to love, like to love people. You're praying for that cancer to disappear because you love that person and you don't want them in pain. You're not praying for that cancer to disappear to be able to have some form of bragging rights that cancer was cast out tonight. And yeah, it would still give Jesus the glory, but if the heart behind it was that, that was for me anyway and and my friend, and, and we just just repented we're like yeah i i really think i never realized i had that heart to to pray and in that light and after that we did see healings and things like that like after that repentance and it was checking my heart and um when you were saying you know it's just about jesus that's it don't overcomplicate it don't even make it about yourself when you're praying that surrender that you're talking about that's it that's key so, yeah, I just love that. It's really, really cool. Um, last question here. Where is God taking you now, Scott? You're 49 years old. You've done some amazing things in Christ, and you've learned some incredible wisdom. Where is God taking you now? It's a hard one to answer in a, in a, in a, um, in a, in a sentence, you know. Um, 
I mean, the outworking, I guess, and the things I do, I'm still in business, involved in lots of that. Um, I'm probably more passionate about preaching in the season ahead. But um, family, doing some wonderful things with family, lots of things. But this last season, I found myself saying, Lord, we, we, Lord, where you've taken me has a, has a dream come true. I've even used the words, Joel, I feel like, Lord, you're discipling me at the moment. I'm unlearning things and relearning. I've been learning so much about the, who we are and who our identity is and who we are in Christ. But, yeah, I, I probably couldn't re- answer that question. It would probably take me ages to answer that. But if it could be somehow portrayed to those at home listening to this, that at my age now, it almost feels like I've just started. I just feel like a little kid who's found a treasure. And I think what it is in those words that I keep saying when God doesn't hide things from you, hides things for you, these things he's revealed to me lately, that I just go, wow. After 30 years, if you're showing me stuff like that now, Lord, there is so much more, so much more. Mm. And so where am I heading? Where I want to go is even deeper with Jesus. Yeah, come on. But I don't want that to come across today as some weird spiritual thing either. You know, going deeper with Jesus, I'm still very real Mm. and believing and being real, you know? But just wanting him, wanting him more than anything else. Mm. Wow. You know, it's hard to word those things, isn't it? It, It's hard to do it in a way that it doesn't sound a little bit cliche. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the words almost don't feel enough or it feels like I'm giving that answer. But I think, um, I mean, years and years when I was younger, Joel, I heard good preachers that I love go, I just preach Jesus. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was one of the beautiful things that Pastor Peter used to always say, you know. I yeah. want, in fact, and I remember another thing that Pastor Peter said to me in the internship. One of the cool things about my internship, I got to spend a week with him, a day with him every week. Mm. And something I remember him saying was, um, I want to know when you're 80 years old, Scott, you haven't, you're still going. And, um, and, and I remember at that time going, that's, um, what is he, you know, but now I realize that's actually such a cool saying. Because when I see people in their 70s now, 60s, even 80s, who the lights aren't out, mm. they're not dim, yeah, the sparkle's still there. It's mm. like my mate of mine said to me this cool comment, Joel, he said, I used to work in the circus, Scott, loved it, always wanted to work in the circus, but after a couple of years, he goes, you get used to it, and it lost the wonder. Mm. Wow. And I reckon what Pastor Peter was saying to me, was I don't want you to lose the wonder of yeah. Jesus. Don't normalize it. Yeah. yeah. You know? Mm. And um, so the pursuit of Jesus and the awe factor mm. and finding new treasures and understanding and revelation mm. in him through life and through its journeys and its ups yeah. and downs, yeah, that's where I want to go. Mm. That's so cool. Does that answer okay? That's awesome. Yeah, sometimes it's so hard to find the right words, eh? No, it's good. It's it, it's a good answer, and and it's cool to to see that um, because it's applicable to all of us. You know, people listening, you know, they they're wondering where God's taking them now. They can apply that 
your answer to them. And that's why it's powerful, you know. You just, yeah, you want to go deeper with Christ, but on not just on a cliche level, but so that you never normalize that relationship with Christ. You never get used to it. That it always becomes an awe factor. That I mean, the word awesome, you know, is overdone. I like to think of that word awesome, being in awe. Yeah. And um yeah, I just want to, you know, thank you Scott so much for coming on the Jesus Magnet podcast. Um I'd love to to have you back on for sure and and I'm sure we could get into some pretty deep topics, but um yeah, I just want to thank you and honor you for for stepping out and and joining us today. And I know that this is going to carry a lot of weight and and a lot of teaching to anybody listening. So, yeah, just thank you so much for coming on and and joining us and yeah. Oh, very, thank very you. cool. It's an honor. Thank you. Awesome. Well, thank you to listening to this episode of The Jesus Magnet. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Jesus Magnet Podcast. If you enjoyed this, make sure that you connect with us. Find us on Facebook, on Instagram. And if you want to support us, be a member of our coffee club, Jesus Magnet Coffee Club. See you next time on The Jesus Magnet.